Imagine learning in a small group intimate setting while exploring unique European locations. EU Vet CE Experiences offers race-approved CE seminars that combine half-day lectures with time to relax and discover captivating cultures. The CE sessions are delivered in English, allowing you to elevate your career while vacationing with loved ones. Experience the perfect blend of learning and luxury at EU Vet CE Experiences interactive seminars in hand-picked European destinations. Elevate your knowledge and recharge simultaneously. Visit euveterinaryce.com to learn more. You are in such a treat today. I am introducing you to Kat Giesemann. When you start taking responsibility for your actions and really being intentional about what you do, I think you're going to surprise yourself and see just how much influence you have, even in the, just in the workplace, in your, your friend circle, your family circle. The way that you choose to respond to things, the, choo- the way that you choose to, to treat people around you, and even when you think no one's watching, um, truly like being intentional about your character, you're going to see the ripple effect from that. And it's only going to help you build up momentum to get where you want to go. And sometimes if you don't know where you want to go, it will help you find where you want to go. She was a veterinary technician and still continues to work in the veterinary industry. But even from a young age, not only was she interested in animals, she was also interested and very talented in art. She now creates beautiful pieces of fine art, which you will, uh, this is definitely an episode. If you have not checked out the YouTube channel, um, go check that out because uh, pictures of her work are spread throughout our conversation. But she is such a beautiful soul. Uh, so it goes from her artwork, but down to her very being. She is so wise and leaves us great um, life tips um, of perseverance and a very, very beautiful mindset. So I'm very excited to introduce you to Kat. I grew up in Hershey, Pennsylvania, in a little country setting. It was on a farm, but not an active farm. So. I grew up like running around in the woods, getting dirty, stuff like that. I spent a lot of time with animals um, of all kinds, especially reptiles and stuff like that. I have three siblings. I'm the oldest of four. I have two brothers and a little sister. So, yeah. <laughs> the expression on your face is funny. <laughs> I, I have a younger brother, so I'm, I'm the oldest of the two anyway. All right. Well, that's so Hershey, Pennsylvania. And um, so what did, did you, are we interested in animals then? I know you said you didn't have an active farm, but did you get to play with a lot of animals then? I definitely did. Um, Even though I didn't live on an active farm, all of my friends did. So I spent a lot of time helping them with the farm chores just so we could hang out. And my life goal was to become a veterinarian. I think if you were to ask anybody in my hometown, what Cat, my maiden name then was Haldeman. What Cat Haldeman was up to, they would assume that I'm a veterinarian now or that I would be doing something with the arts because those were my two biggest passions forever. It's been that way. Um, I really wanted to be a herpetologist, which a lot of people aren't familiar with that term. It's the study of amphibians and reptiles. And I would, <laughs> I was such a tomboy as a kid. I would catch so many different kinds of reptiles and learn about them just through the husbandry, like the natural process of taking care of an animal. 
I was definitely naive in the sense that I would take on animals that I knew very little about, but I was also very particular about making sure that I provided the best that I could for those animals. So if I, <laughs> a little business I had on the side as a kid, I knew that reptiles were often abandoned. It would be like a, a purchase that someone made, maybe, I don't know, for Christmas, some young boy wants a snake or a lizard. And so mom and dad get him that. And then like six months later, he's bored and doesn't want to take care of it. And so mom and dad are stuck with it. And so often they would end up on Craigslist for free. And so I would take in these reptiles, nurse them back to health, take them to my local vet, who was always like, oh, you, you can't bring in a cat and a dog, can you? You just have to bring in something that's cold-blooded and really test my skills. <laughs> so I would do that. Um, and nurse them back to health. I'd really make sure that I learned as much as I could about them. And then I would rehome them. Um, oftentimes that led to giving them to the local zoo. So I knew that they would be in exceptional care. And I got plugged in with the local zoo, which was the Hershey Zoo, when I was a kid and volunteered a lot with them. And I would do a lot of handling of most of the snakes and small reptiles. Um, I'd be out there public speaking as a kid. Oh, that's awesome. Man, already uh, educating others about reptiles and other animals. I think that's fantastic. So, um, so growing up, this was your interest. Now, what, yeah. uh, what were you thinking kind of like, um, probably high school thinking about what you're going to do next? What, what were you thinking then? I was very lost. <laughs> I had a lot of different ideas, but all I knew was that I wanted to own my own business. Um, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a family full of small business owners. So that was the lifestyle that I was used to. I never really had the, I guess, the, the type of mentorship that most people have from their parents where they go to work for someone else. So I more so saw the back end of business ownership and I saw my dad would be the one that would be hiring and firing people and looking for work um, for his guys. And so that was the type of perspective that, that I had on a career. And so I wasn't sure what field exactly I wanted to be in. My lifelong goal was to become a veterinarian, but to be honest with you, I didn't feel like I had it in me. <laughs> the idea of going to school for eight plus years was just so, I really hated high school. I hated sitting still. I have ADD and ADHD. So <laughs> it was like, oh, if I had to sit through school for eight more years, forget it. I tried. I tried going to community college. I really hated the idea of going into debt. Mm -hmm. um, so I would work while I was going to school and kind of exhausted myself, burnt myself out. I switched majors quite a few times. And I guess it wasn't until I got married, which was at 20, to someone that was 12 years older than me. He's now my ex-husband. But at the time, I really expressed my passion for animals and wanting to get into the vet field and it seemed practical at the time because it wasn't all on me to be able to fund life you know he had a really good job and I was able to focus on school so I started working as a vet assistant in northern Virginia where I moved after I got married really fell in love with the industry fell in love with the field and started doing school online through San Juan College, 
when I got through my first year, I realized I wanted, I definitely wanted to pursue even more and earn my bachelor's degree. And so I found a program in St. Petersburg, Florida for your bachelor's as a vet technician. So <laughs> I picked up and moved to Florida a year before I knew I would get into that program so that I could earn in-state tuition. Oh, wow. So that was the goal there. So we moved, picked up and moved to Florida, which is where I am now. And I continued to work in the field, but in Florida, you don't actually have to have your certificate or your license to work as a technician. There's a lot of on-the-job training that's provided, which has been excellent for me as a hands-on person. I just seem to excel in that area. So much so that I had a couple of professors from San Juan College emailing me and being like, you're jumping ahead. We need to back it up a little bit. Like you're making some of the other students stressed out. So um, I really felt like I grasped it. Um, but I fell in love with, well, I fell in love with the job. But I think you and I were talking about this a little bit to when we were emailing back and forth, how I was starting to identify myself as just a vet technician or a vet student. Like I, I used that job to define myself and I started to feel like I was burning out. Like I just, um, how do I say? I don't know, I was losing the passion. I didn't feel the same excitement every day that I went to work I felt like there was a lot of negativity which I've heard quite a few technicians talk about and I had some great mentors that were veterinarians that say that if they could go back they actually wouldn't have gotten their degree and when while I was doing this job and I was going to school I was also painting on the side because that's something that I love to do I've just done it my whole life um and I would show them some of the things that I would come up with. I was, I was often inspired by a lot of Florida because it's so beautiful in the marine life. So I would show them some of my projects and they'd be like, Kat, what are you doing? Why are you trying to go to school? You have this skill. You could be thriving doing just this. Don't, don't feel like you have to work for someone else. And I would argue and I'd be like, but this is what everybody expects me to do because this is all I ever talked about. And they'd be like, well, you can still stay plugged in. You can still be a part of this community, but that doesn't mean that you have to do what everyone else is doing. You're creative, find a creative outlet um, and a way to, to, to do both, essentially. And those mentors both passed away three months apart from each other um, oh, wow. about three years ago. One of them took her own life um, and then the other one, died in a plane crash he him and his wife were flying um at night and they weren't able to see the runway so the fact that I lost them both so soon um really made me think about my own life and it made me reconsider what I was doing and really decided to take what they had suggested and running with it because there was nothing there was no reason not to I guess. And so I took a step back from vet med and I started selling my art. <laughs> I just took that leap and my I was very spoiled the first time that I went to an art show. 
no, I think it's I think it's fair to like really explain here that I wasn't doing art that was tied into vet med specifically at this point. I was painting on like I really liked using recycled materials, so I would build canvases out of reclaimed wood or mm. just like scrap pieces of things that I'd find around, and then I would draw or I would paint with acrylics these really elaborate or vibrant colored sea creatures. My favorites are octopus, so I would paint a lot of those. And I found one surfboard that was retired. So I patched it up, made it look pretty, and I did a painting of a, an octopus on that. No, actually, it was a sea turtle. Now that I think about it, it was a sea turtle. And I took it to my first art show. And I told myself that if I could sell $1,000 worth of paintings at this art show, then I would feel like I was where I was supposed to be. And in conjunction to that, I also had it on my bucket list to sell the painting for at least a thousand dollars. I thought that would be like, that would mean that I made it <laughs> in my world. Um, and at that show, I sold the surfboard for $2,000. And then I sold a commission for another surfboard for another $2,500. So wow. that particular show, I think I ended up selling about a $7,000 worth of work and so I felt like oh my gosh it's a sign <laughs> this, is a, this is a clear clear sign that I'm supposed to be doing this so I continued to, to find fine art shows to travel around and go to and sell, sell my work but I really missed vet med um, I missed the community I missed working with the animals I love the, the science behind it I'm really nerdy and love like the gritty details in a very natural way, when COVID hit, I my show kind of stopped, and I had a lot of people requesting murals, which was very outside my realm of, it was just something I wasn't really interested in, and one of the people that requested a mural from me was an animal hospital that I used to work for, actually where my two mentors had worked. So it was very sentimental to me. So of course I accepted because I felt like this is my way of giving back. COVID stopped everything else. What else was I supposed to do? And so I did this mural of, uh, it was a dental anatomy. So it was like the dental chart, um, open jaw, and like that, with that linear perspective of it. And I painted it in their dental suite and I posted it on Facebook and Megan, it went viral. <laughs> in like I bet. three days, I was so overwhelmed. I had so many people messaging me and asking for me to give them a quote to fly out and do a painting for them. I had people in other countries asking me and I was thinking like, wow, how could I be so fortunate for this type of response? I just wasn't expecting it. Um, so I partnered with a local company to come up with some wall decals and started selling those because it was just not practical to travel around and do all these murals, especially since I wanted to grow and start doing more elaborate designs. And since then, I, I've made Vetna Designs a brand within my company, Ransom Studios, which is where I do a lot of fine art. People will find the surfboard art or the reclaimed wood and stuff like that. And it's just been a really fun experience because there's no way to... We would like to thank our sponsor, VetBadger, the all-in-one practice management software that puts relationships first. Created by working veterinary parents, VetBadger provides all the communication, 
team workflow, and medical management tools you need to run an efficient practice and get home to the relationships that matter most. In support of parents in VetMed, VetBadger will be offering a signed copy of the book, Pregnancy and Postpartum Considerations for the Veterinary Team by Emily Singler to everyone who registers for a demo between Mother's Day, May 12th, and Father's Day, June 16th. To register, visit VetBadger.com and find the link in the description below. feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over again because I can go through vet med stuff or I can go through like fine art with the cords and whatnot so it's just been a really wild experience yeah no I love this and it's one reason why I really wanted to to bring you on and and share this your story um just like you said there's I, I also hear a lot of people who are in the profession and are you know, starting to ask questions about, you know, what's next for me or, or what do I really want to do next? And I love that you were able to, um, you know, find good mentors. I, I hear that as a consistent theme is, is finding good people to support you and kind of guide you. Maybe, maybe sometimes it's just listening, right. And, and then just kind of adding in a little bit here and there. And I hate that you, you lost them. And unfortunately, that's all too common in our profession as well, um, which, which is why we want to tell your story is to show that you really can do some amazing things that highlight your skill and your interest. And you are bringing so much wonder and joy to people through your art and now in your story on top of that. So what have been some of the 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 big lessons you've learned being kind of transitioning from vet to artist to kind of both what what are some of those lessons you've learned so far well to be honest with you there were some major ups and downs there were some trans that initial transition wasn't as smooth as it may have sounded um I would not have wanted I didn't, I didn't want to leave the animal hospital that I was working at. I was actually let go <laughs> for reasons that weren't, weren't um, due to my work ethic or my skill set. I think there was a little bit of drama there and it was a drama free area. I wasn't honestly aware of anything that was going on. And there was some speculation afterwards, but I didn't, that wasn't, I wasn't interested in that. I was like thinking big picture and I had a lot of respect for the owner, the practice owner. I still do. We're still good friends. And I thought if I was in his position, would I have let me go too? And I think with what little he knew about the situation and what was presented to him, I probably would have. So I didn't hold it against them. So I continued to promote them. I recommended them to everyone I knew because in my heart, I really believe that they are the best animal hospital in the area. And I continued to go to my coworkers' celebrations. Like there were a couple of weddings that followed that. I went to all of those. The Christmas party I was invited to. Oh. So I still took my pets there too. And I think there was a little bit of awkwardness in the beginning because that's not typically how someone would respond to being fired from from their employee. I think there might have been some. They were wondering if there was some passive aggressiveness and. 
I felt a little disheartened by that kind of like, don't you know me better than that type of thing. But I really wanted to keep it to myself. And I thought this is an opportunity to show that it's really important to respond to situations rather than reacting. Sure, mm -hmm. I was hurt. Sure, I was upset. But it's not the end of the world. And at the end of the day, like it's, it's going to be for the best. I did, in my mind at that particular time, I had no idea what that looked like. I thought, oh, no, <laughs> I got fired from the best animal hospital in the area. What am I going to do? Nothing's going to be better than this. But I think just by taking in a second to really digesting that no matter what happens, there's always a positive outcome. If you allow yourself to reflect on the situation and truly respond. Um, and then to be intentional about your response. And I choose to always respond in love. So no matter what it is that I'm doing, I just want people to, to see me, to see me, to see my reaction towards situations and just feel like it's very authentic, very genuine, and that it, it's with the best of intentions. I never want to hurt anybody. I would never want to hurt anything. And so I guess that type of mentality really helped the transition because it, it allowed for me to maintain that relationship with the practice owner so that he would invite me to come do this mural. And I continue to do more work for them. At one point, he actually asked if I'd come back and be a technician. But at that point, I just fell in love with being a business <laughs> owner and it wasn't for me anymore. But yep. I just, I really want to emphasize if there was anything that I want anybody to take away from my story, it's that, is that if there's a situation that seems like it is the end of the world, like I could have looked at that and thought my career is over as a vet tech. Like this is, this is God, this is the universe telling me this is not for me, but really I chose to see it as an opportunity for a different outlet. And that was, that whole incident happened only a few months before I lost those two mentors. Oh, wow. So that transition kind of, I wish they would have been around to see where I am now and to see what I've come up with and how it all ties together. But I, I believe that they know. <laughs> I believe they're up there watching me and, and being like, yes, you did it finally. It's about time. Um, but I do, I do think a lot about what they taught me. And it is really important, I think, to have, to have those mentors, to listen a lot to what other people have to say. I have certainly failed many times, but I almost enjoy the hardships and the mistakes because every lesson costs something. And if it's going to cost me, <laughs> if I invest in a product and it doesn't work out, the lesson was whatever that product cost. I mean... It's not going to cost me my life. Um, well, I guess it could if I chose not to move forward with taking risks, you know. You could be stuck in a situation where you feel burnt out, and I just choose not to do that. Transitioning into the creating your own business, did you find mentorship, maybe your, your parents, since they, they were entrepreneurs as well, um, who kind of helped you on that part of your career path? I really love talking to people. Um, I love listening to different podcasts early on as a kid. I wish I could say that my parents were um, the best mentors, but I, I hope they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> but uh, they, they definitely showed me some things when I was a kid, but 
quite frankly, they showed me a lot of what, what I didn't want to do. Um, but my dad's dad was an excellent business owner and he tried and failed many things, but also tried and succeeded at a lot of things. So even though I couldn't talk to him about some of those experiences, he didn't feel like he was a very good teacher. Um, and he wasn't very good at the whole communicating thing. So in that sense, like he wasn't the best mentor, but by observing what he did, I learned a lot. He also referred me to a lot of really great books. Like I started reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, very young. I read it multiple times. I highly recommend that everybody and their brother reads it. I keep multiple <laughs> copies so I can give it away. Aww. But finding those resources, um, knowing what it was that I wanted, it was, I was willing to take the risk and just jump in and figure it out as I go. Because I thought there's, there wasn't really anyone doing what I was doing that I knew. Um, until I started doing it, I found people along the way that were great mentors. Like doing fine art, I ended up coming across some people that had been doing it for decades. And they were more than happy to share some concepts with me. But I also learned through some mistakes that not every artist is the same, not every business is the same. So while some concepts might work for one business owner, they don't work for, for me and might not work for someone else. So it's a lot of trial and error. And I mean, I've been really blessed. I've really come across some incredible people that maybe share in, they see how passionate I am about what it is that I want to do, and they see the direction that I'm taking it, and they're more than help, more than happy to, to be available to me as a resource in some, sh some shape or form, whatever capacity they can be, I guess. Yeah. No, I love that. And I, I think that's such a good message that maybe we don't talk about enough is that don't wait for our mentor to, to necessarily take the first step either, that a lot of times they will come uh, along the way. So I love that aspect of it. You were brave enough to, to go ahead and start working on it. Now, after we officially stopped our conversation that was supposed to be recorded, Kat really gave a lot of great business advice that I wanted to make sure to put into the podcast. So this is when we were talking about her business tips and things that she's learned along the way. By taking things on in a perspective of like one day I want to teach this to somebody, it made it more permanent and ingrained in my mind the way that I handled the situation and I record everything. I try to write things down because I'd love to write a book someday. If you do go into a business or you do go into that transition, it's so cool to see it documented and not just the lows. Like it, it might seem pretty cheesy to have a diary or a journal, but I really think it's so important to, to record like the different seasons of your life, even if it's not a daily thing it's just like quarterly or monthly or whatever just to be like this is where I'm at right now and then it makes getting through hardships a lot easier and then it also makes decision making as a business owner a lot easier later on because you're like oh I've gone through this before I know I did something similar to this or this reminds me of that one time where I had to go through this and so it's just it's nice to have that so if there's anything I would recommend it's like writing things down when I started doing 
art shows, I didn't know who my target market was. And mm-hmm. this is before I even read the book that I'm going to suggest to you. And one of the biggest things that she talks about is finding your target market and knowing exactly who that is. And so I would take, I took this little book with me. And if I would have a conversation with someone, whenever they would come into my booth, I would record male, female, like simple demographics, hmm. general age range. And then if they were a browser, if they were a buyer, um, and then if people would follow up with me after the show and commission something, I would want to record like little things about that too. Like I could look back and see that name and see that demographic. And so collecting that data, that is, I've learned that that will set you miles ahead when it comes to marketing, because you'll know specifically who it is that you're trying to target. You'll be able to narrow that range down because by the time you get to the point where you really, like really recognize that you need to know some more specifics, like something as simple as the Facebook ads where you narrow in your target market to see who it's exposed to. It's like, I was so thankful for that because I was able to like really narrow it down to just the people that are buyers and then increase my conversion rate. Um, so start that early. It's kind of like a 401k where it's like the earlier you start, the better type of thing. You're going to yep. get so much more of a reward later on. And at the time, like people that saw me documenting it were just teasing because they're like, what is that going to do for you? Or that's cute that you're doing that. But now they see how much it's affected me and they've started doing it themselves. They're like, oh, I wish I would have done that earlier. Um, so teach your own. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that just goes to show, um, a little bit of go with your gut. And if somebody gives you a hard time for it, you know, don't take it personally. Don't, you know, mm-hmm. let it really stop you. Um, yeah. cause often in the future, we find out that those little details, like you're good at you talking about in vet med, you like the details, um, mm-hmm. really starts to pay off in the end. And it's a lot like in vet med where it's like little cases when I was a technician, um, I would document some, some of those weird cases where it was like, you just didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but the symptoms seemed so vague. And I, there were so many times that one of my mentors, he, he was in practice for 60 years. And because I had this little notebook with these documented like oddball cases, I could refer back and be like, hey, Dr. Partridge, remember this case right here, Fluffy needed this. It's also really fun as a business owner just to see how like, recording information. It's just so important that data. I can't stress that enough. Um, so what are you most excited about? Like what, when you're excited to wake up in the morning, what, what are you most excited for? Oh, there's just so many opportunities. There's so many ways that I've I've seen the way that my business plan has morphed over the years. The more experience I get, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. And it's just like every little bit that I add or every little experience that I add to my portfolio, I tweak the business I plan just a little bit. And I would love to be able to contribute and be able to give back to people and be that person that could be a mentor to somebody. I love helping others try to get where they where they're trying to be whether it's in vet medicine or it's in fine art just trying to be a support like just a cheerleader for somebody honestly um 
And there for a while, I actually thought that I would take my business in the direction of trying to uplift other artists and like be a platform for them. But I didn't want to be something like another Etsy or just somewhere where people can sell stuff. I actually wanted to plug people in with a mentor and get them get them to see the business side of things because I think there's a lot of creative people they either have the business sense or they have the creative sense and it's not very common that you have both so that's where the term starving artist kind of comes from is like we're all about creating but they don't really have the organization and such and I've come across a lot of creative people in the veterinary profession I feel like it's a it's an outlet for them to create on the side, whether it's jewelry or painting or drawing. Some people enjoy writing or even writing music. Um, and I just, there at one point in time, I thought that would be it. That would be the outlet. But now I've come across more people that are, are in all walks of life that, that just need support and some sort of encouragement. And so I guess every day I look at the opportunity to lift someone else up. And if it's through my art, if it's through what I've learned in business, I just, I look forward to the, the opportunity to engage with new people and to, to share what I've learned, share what I've experienced, to share where I've failed in hopes of like maybe helping them avoid some of the failures that I've, been, that I've run into, you know, just being a little helpful, I guess. Oh, I completely relate to, you know, just wanting to help people. Any last minute tips or pieces of advice you, you have the mic. So what would you like to tell our profession? I guess this is such a hard one because I've, I know you've done a couple of examples and I was like, oh, geez, what could I really say that would really motivate people? But when I really think about it, I think the heart of it is just to be intentional be intentional about what it is that you want to what you're doing even the most minute actions throughout the day take control of your attitude when you respond to a situation really make sure that you're thinking like long term how is this going to affect me how is this going to affect the people around me it's really easy to fall into just um going getting by life just like a letting sometimes letting emotions take control of your decisions or maybe just thinking that what you're doing doesn't matter but when you start taking some responsibility when you start taking responsibility for your actions and really being intentional about what you do I think you're going to surprise yourself and see just how much influence you have even in the just in the workplace in your your friend circle your family circle the way that you choose to respond to things the choose the way that you choose to to treat people around you. And even when you think no one's watching, um, truly like being intentional about your character, you're gonna see the ripple effect from that. And it's only gonna help you build up momentum to get where you wanna go. And sometimes if you don't know where you wanna go, it will help you find where you wanna go. There is so much wisdom in that. So thank you. What are you most excited about for your future? Like, I know you said you're, you're constantly tweaking your business plan, but yeah. do you have anything exciting on the horizon for you? Um, well, I, I have a lot of, uh, a lot of ideas for my business. Um, I'm finally getting to, uh, 
connecting both fine art and vet med art on my website and establishing the brand of vet med designs. Um, it's really hard for me as one person to do both, but I think that I'm starting to get get the ropes on both and and pursue both of them. I'd love to be able to become more plugged into the vet community. I partnered with the Animal Hospital Association or yeah, American Animal Hospitals. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're a distributor of some of my products. So I'd love to get connected with more organizations and programs like them. Um, I've had some of my work go overseas. I've got some of my products in Australia, the UK, and some countries like Canada. So I'd love to see more of that happening across the world, not just in vet medicine, but also in some of my fine art as well. I'd like to just see how far this goes. I guess I'm looking forward to that in short. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward and seeing just how much I can do and what the possibilities are. We'll definitely make sure to put links to your website and, and ways for people to reach out to, to get work with you, hopefully. Um, so I just have a few kind of rapid fire questions to, to wrap us up. Nothing too crazy. Don't worry. Um, but what is, what is one thing on your bucket list that you'd like to do? Oh, there, I, it's funny. I actually have a book of bucket list items, Ooh. but I would like to go skydiving but not just I don't want to go skydiving in the U.S. (laughs) I want to go skydiving in another country and that be my first experience skydiving. People say I'm crazy for doing that but I think it would be awesome to go skydiving in Africa (laughs) somewhere over the safari. I think it would be amazing. That would be cool. I love Africa. I'm terrified of the thought of jumping out of a plane. So good for you. <laughs> Make sure you have a camera and take every moment in. <laughs> yeah, right. Awesome. Uh, what is a simple moment that brings you joy? Oh man, my dog. Mm. Anything that my dog does, he's my life. My company is called Ransom Studios because it's named after my dog. His name is Ransom. Um, my friends joke that he's my emotional support animal and for the sake of getting into an apartment the apartment told me to become make him registers as an ESA which I think is a whole silly thing but they joke that it's like an official thing like I really can't survive without him because he brings me so much joy there's mm-hmm. just every, little moments his little quirks he whines a lot because he's a German shepherd but there's just something about the moments with him that he's just really incredible. We're, we're, we don't deserve dogs. Oh, I (laughs) love that. Yeah, no. Um, that's so funny because I I get a lot of those responses is something about our pets and there is something just very special about the human animal bond. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, if you could create a law that everyone had to follow, what would your law be? (laughs) To love. It sounds so cheesy, but to be honest, like, I really feel like we lack a lot of it. And to be, to uh, recognize that love isn't a feeling, it's an action, it's a decision that you make, Mm. and to treat everyone or respond in love. That was beautiful. (laughs) Thank you for that one. Yes. And finally, what is one thing you're grateful for? Hmm. I'm grateful for hardship because I would be stagnant if I didn't have them. I would feel very burnout and 
I wouldn't be able to be challenged. I really like, I don't like him in the moment, but hindsight, I see the good that it brings. And ultimately I feel like I've become a better person and there's only growth because of the hardship. So I really, really am grateful and thankful for them as well as the community that helps me get through those hardships. What a beautiful answer. And I think that very well wraps up our conversation and a lot of what we talked about. And and maybe we can even bring you back in a little bit and see where you are. That'd be great. I love this. Thanks, Megan. I told you she was a beautiful soul. If you are interested in seeing more of her work or want to reach out and work with her, I'm going to put all of the ways you can get in touch with her, including her website and um social media handles all in the description below. So definitely check those out. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Vet Life Reimagined podcast. Until next time.